powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. everybody. Welcome to the program where two of our favorite shows tied for the most Emmy nominations, The Crown and The Mandalorian, both received a whopping 24 Emmy nominations each. Wow. Also, I want to make an announcement on the program this week. My partner, Anne Marie, is taking the marketing part of our company, Clear Vision, and launching an entirely new venture. So she'll be servicing her clients and also taking new clients for marketing under a brand new company that she will own by herself called Word Strategies. And we're real excited about what Anne Marie is going to be able to do with this new company. And we want to wish her all the best in the world as she creates outstanding results for clients. And we will have a new website to share with you really, really soon. So you can go check that out. Word Strategies with Anne Marie coming very, very soon, separately from Clear Vision Development Group. Today on the program, my guest is Ken Clodoris from California. He's a meditation and success expert, and he will give us some thoughts about how meditation can play a big role for us as we journey toward our version of success in our lives. And I, during our leadership and business lesson, am going to focus on three costly traps for the CEO. That's all coming up on today's program. It's sponsored by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. Stand by, Ken Cladoris is on the line and we've got him here on Better Than Before right after this. There's nothing quite like the love of a good dog. At University Subaru, it seems to us they're all good. See special pet-friendly features in the new 2021 Subaru Outback and Forester. It's never been easier to hit the open road with your best friend and to keep them safe with Subaru all-wheel drive. Subaru is dog-tested and dog-approved. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru and a dog a dog. University Subaru, Columbia, homegrown and proud of it. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before with Tony Richards. And today, my guest is Ken Cladoris, and he is an esteemed wealth advisor and author of the book, Get There. 
chart your course to financial abundance and live the life you desire. Ken believes life should be lived by design. Charting his own course in the wealth management industry, Ken earned the respect of his peers and the trust of his clientele. Most recently, he developed an online course entitled Stillness to Success, which provides a valuable resource for individuals who are ready to create real change in their lives. At the end of our talk today, we're going to tell you how to get the book and how to sign up for the course, so stand by for that. Ken compiled his course with practical and impactful lessons he extracted from years of his own self-study with a spin that is fresh and relevant to the 2021 world that we're all experiencing today. The online course includes a series of lessons that are broken out into consecutive modules, each of which begins with a breathing exercise to help individuals become present before they embarked on their curriculum. Those who participate in the course can expect to complete it feeling much more important empowered and better equipped to navigate their personal and professional day-to-day decision-making. Now, outside the office, Ken's love of the ocean has led him to pursue sailing. It is there that he also found his passion to give back to the community in his spare time, and he can be found with friends and loved ones aboard a powerboat, sailboat, or at community events. Sounds like a well-rounded life. He is the perfect person to teach us how to do that for ourselves. Ken, Welcome to Better Than Before, pal. Thank you. Glad to be here. You bet, man. It's great to have you. I've been looking forward to this talk for a little bit, and I want to hear more about this. So how did you first have this pull to become a financial advisor? The financial advisor was the easy part. Uh We've all had, when we were younger, that influence in our life that made us pick the trajectory going forward. And so for me, growing up, my uncle was a financial advisor and had the lifestyle and everything that I wanted. Uh So it was a straight path. Like, that's what I'm going to do. Man, there's nothing better than growing up with a cool uncle. So I did, and that's a conversation I've had with a lot of my friends. You think your dad's good and your dad's awesome, but then your uncle, he's cool. Because he doesn't have to tell you not to do something. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. That's right. So then as you were going through this career of being a financial advisor, you discovered that living a whole life, it wasn't just about the financial part, right? Exactly. I had, I guess, been lucky enough to have early success in my career. So with my uncle's support early on and then on my own, was able to get to a position where I was actually managing other financial advisors, making the money I'd hoped for and had a lot of free time. And I feel like I got stuck in a rut, if you will, or my life was on replay and It was in that, that I decided that there was more, that I needed to do more. And that started the trajectory of my personal side. That's cool. And so you're in Newport Beach, California today, joining us on our show. And did you grow up there in Newport Beach? Southern California, my whole life. Yeah. So near the ocean. So that's how you develop the recreational habits that you do with the boats and stuff, right? Yeah. And I I think I just generally have a pull towards water. Uh Uh-huh. There's something refreshing about it, and so it rejuvenates me to move on. Yeah, I grew up on a farm in Kentucky, just a couple of miles from Kentucky Lake and Barkley Lake, uh, a couple of the largest man-made lakes in the United States, and so I've got that same thing. I don't know. I just feel an emotional stillness and emotional satisfaction that comes from water. I know a lot of people, mountains or forests or stuff do it for them, but I'm a water guy. I love water. Yeah, same. 
So it's nothing better. One of the things that I've heard you say before in other interviews that you've done is that life is not about just surviving. It's about thriving. Can you tell me a little bit more about what your particular version of thriving looks like for you and your clients? So that's an interesting question because I think thrive is different for every person. And when I first started my career, I assumed everybody had the same answer. It was these seven things, this amount of money. And then I realized that everybody's definition is different. So for me, thriving is when I have the freedom to do the things that I need to do at the time that I need to do them while having an impact in the community around me. So you don't have to really tell us all the intricate details of it, but what does that process look like when you're bringing a client into their own version of thriving? Yeah, I mean, so more in the course, right? We start really early on teaching people how to meditate and I call it cutting through the chaos mm. and creating stillness because we have so many inputs on a daily basis that are telling us what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And it's hard to hear ourselves. So through meditation, we can quiet that mental chatter and really start to hear the things that it is that we want. And once we start to hear them, having the ability to move forward towards those things, that's where you start to thrive and you build more momentum. So it sounds like one of the things that you're focusing on with your client as individuals is things that you can control right? Because there's so many things in our life that are out of our control that it gets frustrating. But it sounds like you're teaching them through meditation how to control the way we think and the way we approach life and work and those kinds of things. Am I on base or off base? Or It's really close. I'd say that I try not to use the word control. Mm -hmm. We're just trying to create more stillness so that it's more of a free-flowing process where your mind naturally wants to be more quiet and disassociate from the noise. And then what happens from that? In other words, when you get someone into that mindset, and I may not be using the right terms, you'll have to help no, me. Dear. You're the expert here. But as I approach developing this mindset, what else do I start to experience then? For me, everything changed once I changed that mindset. Once you get to the point where, like I said, the noise is kind of still, and you can go through a day without having just constant barrage of thoughts, you start to identify more opportunities to have an impact or have the success you're looking for in life. And so I built in habits and strategies that every morning I put myself into that framework so that going through the day, I'd have more opportunities to have success. Gotcha. The way you phrase that there, where maybe your starting point is you're having this barrage of thoughts so does the practice help you slow your thinking down then? So it cuts out the noise. Okay. Right. So of all the so thoughts. So it helps you separate have, the thoughts then better. Yeah. Most of the thoughts that we have are thoughts of what could happen, what hasn't happened, and they're repetitive thoughts. And most of them are negative. So if we can quiet those down, because again, those are just repeat thoughts, your original thoughts and the things you want to achieve in life you can hear them more. And the more you can hear them, the more you can voice them and make action. And a lot of those happen thoughts are probably things that never will happen. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I know you have five reasons why you should be meditating and make this a part. Why don't you take us through those five things? First and foremost, it's going to lower your amount of stress you have on a daily basis. I feel like everybody has a lot of stress. And if we could just get some of that down, 
that would be good. There are a lot of negative side effects to stress too. Right. And stress naturally leads to anxiety. So you'll have less anxiety. I used to get anxious going into rooms and talking to people. And as I developed my stillness practice, that became easier and easier. Now people would think I was an extrovert and really yeah. I just want to stay at home. Well, that's good news for some people who may share that same fear. I know yeah. even very successful executives that I work with even feel like they're going to be nauseous if they have to get on stage or something. Yeah, you get those two things. It helps in general with being able to hear those thoughts that I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. right? So you have more original thoughts. And with that, another benefit is that it creates the ability for you to see opportunities that you might not have otherwise seen. And again, that's why we try to help people create that stillness so that they can have more success. And then fifth, in general, you just experience more fulfillment in life because you're not having all the negative thoughts all day long. So you're naturally happier. Would you describe it as increasing your clarity of thought? Yes. I mean, I think clarity is power. A lot of times we're stuck in certain places because we just can't tune into a clear enough picture to figure out how to proceed. So that might be a sixth one. Then you get a lot more clarity on your thinking. We have a piece out that has nine benefits, but I don't want to sit here and talk about just benefits of meditation all day with you. <laughs> oh, sure. Um, but you can look at them up. They say there's a lot of benefits to meditation. Going back to where we started about success equals for a lot of people, I think just people that I've talked to over the years, and I'm very interested in people, so I just mentally take notes when I'm having a conversation with someone. But I think a lot of people, we'll put it that way, I think a lot of people equate success with material stuff. So you help people balance that material stuff with, at the same time, creating a life that's more authentic. What's the downside to the material part of life without the balance, I guess? Well, I don't necessarily think there is a problem if that's how you want to live your life. Well, I'm talking about, tell you that I guess I was assuming there, let's say though, it's Sorry. someone who's coming to you for help yeah, and they are experiencing quite a bit of material success. And I guess maybe they're feeling unfulfilled. That would be somebody you could help, right? Yeah. I mean, again, as a person that had a lot of success early on and then felt stuck, mm -hmm. having the ability to get past that and realize like it's bigger than you and find out what those things are, what are your core values, and what does your ideal life look like, so that mm. you can live more authentically to your values, and that's where the fulfillment and happiness comes along. I see, I see. So you also tell the story, and I want you to tell it to our listeners, about your first meditation experience. Yeah. It wasn't so, exactly what you thought, right? No, so most people think, and I get this all the time, like, oh, I tried to meditate, but I had a thought, or I was thinking the whole time. This doesn't work. I can't not have a thought for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I've never tried not to have a thought for 20 minutes, but I'm pretty sure it's not possible. We naturally think and notice things. So my first meditation experience, all right, I go to the meditation sanctuary and they decided to start mowing the lawn and cutting the bushes and everything right outside the room I was in. Oh. So for the entire 20 minutes, I'm sitting there listening to a gardener just make a ton of noise. And I was like, hmm, there is no benefit to this. I could do this anywhere. I can't believe I just spent this much money. This is awful. But obviously I did the meditation and it wasn't until I was driving home 
that the wave of just clarity hit me and I didn't feel that I was even moving fast enough mentally to drive home. So I had to pull over and recoup from the experience and bring myself back up. It was crazy. I see. Well, I've had a friend of mine on in the past. It's been probably two years, but she helped guide some of our listeners through some meditation. And is that something you find useful for people who are just starting out that they have a guided to get them going? I have mixed feelings on guided meditation, just to be honest. Yeah, I want you to be um, honest. I'm, we're here to yeah. educate our people. While I think there's benefits to guided meditation, the meditation that we teach is really about yourself and going inside. So I don't want people to feel a crutch that they need to have this guided meditation or listen to this or have that chair. Well, that, so that's it, the essence of my question is it's possible to do your own, right? Without, yeah. Yeah. So in the course, we just teach a mantra based meditation, which is right. Thinking like the same mantra to yourself, wherever you happen to be. And that naturally allows you to still your mind and it naturally takes you back to a centering thought. So give us an example of what you mean. Well, you could just repeat like OM to yourself silently. So Mm -hmm. we would start with just saying OM. And then what does that do? It gives your mind something to focus on. I see. Okay. So that all that noise that you're usually thinking about gets shut out. So it sounds like to me too, like in your first experience, you told us about where you do this is important too, I guess, right? It's obviously ideal if you're in a quiet location, Uh but even in the worst situation, I feel like that I was in with all that noise, I still had the benefits and I wasn't even aware of them until I was done. I see. So we would say that every meditation is a good meditation because the benefits are still occurring inside of your body. and mind. That's interesting. Cause in my mind, I'm thinking, cause everything else I can think of outside of meditation, you start off and you're not very good at it. And then yeah. you slowly, but surely get better at it. But meditation isn't really that way. You still get the same benefit if you're really good at it as if you're not very good at it. Is that, am I hearing that right? For the most part? Yeah. I mean, you get more stillness and you have more time between thoughts as you do it more often. But the actual benefits that you receive, I think they say it's two weeks of meditation and you see most of the benefits. Tell us a little bit about Get There. That's your book. Tell us a little bit about that. As I started my personal development journey, I had met so many people that were like, oh, you should write a book or they wanted to write a book. So I decided that I was going to write one and I did. And so it's the balance of, again, creating that fulfillment in life. So I lay out creating a vision statement for yourself those core values, and then incorporating that much more to a financial perspective. Mm -hmm. Because when I wrote it, that's what I was really focused on. And it was really good. And I got a lot of feedback from individuals that they'd hit a lot of what I would call societal goals. And once they got past that, the idea of a goal was almost foreign to them. And they were just living life without any purpose or impact. And so with that, that's when it led to more detailed outline in the course. Well, yeah, yeah, I've told clients before, if they've had a little bit of trouble with the reading assignment, I've given them, if you think reading a book is hard, you ought to try writing one. Right. I've written three. What was your book writing experience like? It was interesting. The first book, I'm sure you did this too, right? I was like, I'm just going to sit down and write. Uh And so I literally made it part of my routine where I was writing every day. Yes. Some days I was in flow and wrote a lot. Other days it was a struggle. And I remember it took me about nine to 10 months to write the first manuscript. 
And I was so excited. I was like, oh, finally, I'll just have somebody edit it, clean it up, and we're done. Yeah. And I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember if it was it was Julia Cameron or Stephen King or somebody's stuff that I was reading when I got ready to write my first book. And that daily writing practice, though, was something they recommended. And I still write at least something every day. It may not be a lot of content, but it might be tweets. It might be Facebook statuses. It might be a blog. It might be part of another book I'm going to write. But I try to write something every day. And it does develop your writing muscle. I would meditate and then uh, write. That was my morning routine. Very cool. And did you have an outline or did you just start writing? When I first sat down, I just started writing, getting ideas onto paper. And then from there, I broke it down into an outline and chapters and concepts. And shortly thereafter, I hired a book writing coach to help me expand on ideas and let me know what wasn't working, what was, and things like that. And it was a great accountability partner for me. Well, that's pretty cool. I've never done that before, that I have a writing coach. I don't know if I'm even somebody could be worked with. <laughs> I'm uh, sure you can. What's the most interesting and impactful part of the book, you think? I would say that it's creating that personal vision statement for people. I don't think many people take the time to do that. No, and I would say not. Once you do, it's like you're sailing towards your North Star. You know where you're going. You know when you're on track, when you're off. And again, it just allows you to course correct through life. And that way you end up where you want to be. I would imagine that people probably think, how did I do this before? Once they yep. have that vision statement, they're probably thinking, how did I navigate this life without this roadmap or this North Star, I suppose? Exactly. Good. So Good. More intentional then, going forward. Yeah. And then what is the most impactful for the course, the same answer or most impactful, interesting thing? Yeah, I'd say it's the same thing because it all builds on itself. And in the book, the feedback I was getting is readers needed more support outlining the vision statement and their core values. So we spent a lot more time doing that in the course, but to start, I really wanted people to experience stillness first mm -hmm. because that way they could hear what it is that their mind is actually telling them and let the chaos of the outside world aside and really focus on themselves. Very cool. So Ken, you've done all this now, you've written a book, you've put in a course together, you started this whole journey by learning how to be still, and you regularly meditate. What is next for Ken? Well, I'm really excited. So I've been doing a week in silence for the last few years with COVID that was a little harder than normal. So that's the next thing I'm doing personally. That was the most beneficial thing I think I've done today. So rolling out with the team now to figure out how we could start hosting our own silent retreats and helping people experience the whole new level of stillness and clarity. So tell me a little bit about how you said a week in silence, right? Is that what it sounds like it is? Pretty much. So I had a little clarifying around that five days of me not speaking. Uh -huh. And in that I don't read, I don't write, I don't listen to music. I don't do anything. No external than... stimulus whatsoever. Well, I still walk around, uh -huh. still hear everything, but I am not looking for an outlet for me to absorb my time and thought. So the world goes on around me, but I personally am still. I got to ask you this question. The first time you tried this, did you make it or did you say something before the week was up? I would say I made it. Oh, The hardest part for me was, and again, I guess it didn't 
technically I spoke, but I'd be like, I'd start to say hello to somebody. Yeah. Just out of natural response. Sure. And I'd catch myself and stop. But for me, that was the most profound experience that I've had. And I know no one, I can't just reach out to people and be like, hey, you should do a week in silence with me. Right, right. Most people won't do that. Well, they're sitting there thinking we're just going to look around at each other or whatever, you know? Huh. So it's interesting. Ken Cladoris is our guest today, and he's the author of the book Get There, which is Chart Your Course to Financial Abundance and Live the Life You Desire. And if you haven't picked up on it by now, a lot of that is through learning this awesome meditation practices and such. And we're going to tell you how you can pick up the book and sign up for the course and some other stuff in a sec. So, Ken, I have these 12 rapid fire questions I ask every guest that comes on our show. And if it's okay with you, I'm going to run you through these. All right. Perfect. Look forward to it. All right. Here's the first question. What's the best memory that immediately comes to mind for you? So it was my birthday a few years ago, me and my brother, my family on a boat, and it was the fastest boat I've ever been on. And when I think of that experience, it literally just makes me smile. Oh, cool. Who's the number one hero in your life? That's a great question. I, like, I don't really have a hero. I just have mentors and people that influence me, but there's no ideal person that I could immediately think of. Yeah. Who are the three mentors in your life that you think influenced you the most? My uncle that I mentioned earlier. Sure. I knew Deepak he was going to make it in there. Yeah. Deepak Chopra. And the third one, his name's Jim Stoneman. He is my mentor right now. I see. And you're going to be able to answer this one easily because it's your process. But what is the top value you subscribe to? Yeah, stillness. And the most important person in your life? It would be my whole family. My family's really close. Oh, good. What's your favorite thing in the whole world? The ocean. And your favorite food? Ooh, Mexican food for sure. Yeah, it's up there for <laughs> me too, man. Most beautiful place you've ever visited? Cayman Islands. If you could describe success in one word, what would that word be? Fulfillment. How do you want to be remembered? Making an impact. If you could go back and talk to a young Ken, what advice would you give him? Start meditating. What's your favorite sound? Probably my mantra. Do you use the bells and stuff? I think some meditation practices use a bell. Yeah, there's gong meditations and gong, uh, yeah. bowls and stuff. Yeah. Okay. And of all the lessons you've learned in your entire life, what's the best lesson? Impermanence. Ken Cladoris. Ken, tell everybody how to get your book, how to sign up for your course, your website, all that good stuff where they can find out more about you. First, I want to thank you, Tony. This is a great interview. Enjoyed it. Hopefully yeah. your audience sees some value here. Oh, they will. All the information is available on kencladoris.com. So that's K-E-N-K-L-A-D as in David, O-U-R-I-S.com. Or you can also go to stillness2success.com. Mm -hmm. And there's free resources available there as well. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm going to go check it out. Thank you for taking some time to do this because... I do think there is a lot of value to the things that you're teaching people, and especially for clients of mine, which they work in very high-pressured environments and they're in charge of companies and things like that. And so any edge or advantage that I could possibly leverage to help them, I think some of the things that you're suggesting would be very valuable. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with us today. Thank you for having me. Enjoyed it. I'd love to have you back sometime. Maybe after you do the week of silence or the retreat, maybe after you do your first retreat, if you'll let me know 
when that yeah. happens, we'll get a recap maybe after. Yeah. Hopefully so, that'll be next year. So yeah, love to be back. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Ken Cladoris, everybody. I will have your business and leadership lesson coming up next on Better Than Before. There's nothing quite like the love of a good dog. At University Subaru, it seems to us they're all good. See special pet-friendly features in the new 2021 Subaru Outback and Forester. It's never been easier to hit the open road with your best friend and to keep them safe with Subaru all-wheel drive. Subaru is dog-tested and dog-approved. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru and a dog a dog. University Subaru, Columbia, homegrown and proud of it. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards. And as you probably can imagine, for chief executive officers, there are innumerable issues or as we're identifying them today, traps that a chief executive can get snared into in the course of everyday business. Regardless of the amount of time your tenure lasts at the top, you're going to encounter many, many situations which will test your current abilities and capacity. Today, I'm going to just discuss three areas that can present traps which are of a cognitive nature. Hopefully, with these thoughts in mind, you can practice and develop yourself in some of these areas. And of course, I'm always available to discuss these and other situations you feel may be affecting your performance or even hindering it. The first trap that a CEO can fall into is what I will call self-delusion. Now, this is such a massive topic in regard to people in important positions that it should be its whole entire subject. And we shall do that coming up at some point in the future. But just for now, let's say that it entails not seeing things as clearly as maybe you should be. And there is a double-edged sword to deal with in this case. If you see things better than they are, you may be often disappointed as reality begins to pound away at you over the course of times, because if you see things worse than they are, you may get hopeless and have your faith sucked right out of you. And for CEOs and other high-level executives, this often plays out in taking things at face value, primarily with direct reports. If they tell you things are good or the situation is normal and you just accept that without being curious or doing any verification, then you can often get some very bad surprises. Maybe even on some level, you suspect things are not quite as good as they are reporting, but it's just easier to take their word for it. You don't ask questions or probe, and you don't talk to any people in their division of the organization. You don't make any on-site visits. And this can also happen with your own leadership. You've been doing things the same way for quite a while, and your results are acceptable or maybe even slightly exceeding expectations. So you're pretty content to maintain the status quo. 
and your blind spots do not afford you the opportunity to see what is bubbling just below the surface with your team or even with yourself. Just keep in the back of your mind and know that your singular viewpoint is often unreliable and it's never a bad idea to have an objective third party helping you look for things that maybe you're just not seeing. Number two trap, getting too excited about an outside opportunity. Market opportunities are exciting. They're very exciting. We're always at the top of the mast of our ships with our telescopes out, looking out for those wonderful sightings, which can mean future success. An especially dangerous place to be is when we've been on a long winning streak and everything we've ventured into so far has turned into gold for our organizations. And we fall victims to this trap because the real value of many things is not certain. There are so many variables to come into play. And another complication that involves is plenty of other competitors are also looking for these same opportunities. And the more interested parties there are, the greater the likelihood of a gold rush toward those opportunities. Everybody wants to get this particular opportunity or deal, so it turns very competitive. And before long, you're fighting over a moldy old turkey leg that immediately looked like a delicious meal. So we always want to outdo our competition. We always want to beat our competitors. We don't want to get beat on a possible opportunity, and this occurs even when the winner will likely to lose money but at least we were the first ones to lose money, right? Madness, for sure. Perhaps you've heard the old question, what would you pay for a $100 bill? Imagine you and an opponent are invited to take part in an auction for the $100 bill. Whoever makes the highest offer gets the $100 bill, and when this happens, both bidders have to pay their final offer. How high would you go? And when you consider the deal, you think it makes sense to offer to pay 20, 30, or even $40, your opponent does the same. And then $99 seems like it would work. Your competitor offers $100. And if this deal closes, they will come away breaking even and you'll pay $99. So you keep bidding at 110. You have a guaranteed loss of $10, but your opponent will have to pay 109. So not wanting to lose, you keep bidding. When will you stop the madness? When will they stop the madness? Try this out with your friends and see what happens. Often the fear of losing out on something, especially if we're perceiving it as a great opportunity, is just too powerful to resist. And if you don't want to lose money at an auction, it's best not to even go. Trap number three, being too insulated. When you're the CEO or another high-level executive position, you're constantly battling the issue of time. There doesn't seem to be enough of it, and so what do we do? We become protective of it and consequently of ourselves too, and this can lead to an illusion of attention. Uh, this means that we're confident in the fact that we're on top of everything that takes place in front of us, and the reality is we only see what we're focusing on. This is a problem because of our previous decision to be protective of our time. So unexpected and often unnoticed items, some minuscule but very vital, can pass before our area of accountability and we never, ever notice the occurrence. They may be of the utmost importance and urgency and they really need to be addressed by us, but nobody knows about it. Whatever we fail to notice may go and remain unheeded. 
we must be careful to embrace the thought that if anything is urgent or important, we will notice it. We will take heed of it. Some of these elephants in the room stomp around us in the room every single day, and we hardly even point at them. So you got to confront all possible and seemingly impossible scenarios. Expect the unexpected as best you can. Plan for the likely. Plan for the unlikely. There is a great benefit to thinking enough that even the slightest chance scenario could happen. What is lurking behind the burning issues? Keep in mind, just because you're a high-ranking executive does not mean you're all-knowing and you're all-seeing. It only means you're susceptible to these traps. They are common to all humans, no matter the position and no matter the title. Pay attention to silence as much as a terrible squeaking wheel. Check the edges, not just the center. Think the unthinkable and stay out of these three costly traps. That's our show today. Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 and Clear Vision DEV. Special thanks, as always, to our outstanding producer, Tessa Hall. And until we visit again next week, I'm your host, Tony Richards, on Better Than Before, reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.